Welcome to the Jerry T Podcast. Only two of us this week. Sorry, Matt Costa fans. I do have Dave Shields, though, and we just got back from the RC in Denver. We were both rocking our heavy play stuff. We will talk about that in just a second, uh, but we also didn't play many rounds. I don't think it was heavy play's fault, though. No, we, there was not a heavy amount of play. No. Combined number of rounds between the two of us, only four, but I got to say, man, Playmat still great. Uh, it served me well. I had fun. Yeah, I did have fun. I'd like to see how it holds up, but I need to, you know, get more use out of it first. So I'll do better next time. Yeah, I did. I did play uh, some games of Legacy for fun on Sunday, but I let my opponent use the heavy playmat. Uh, Jealous. And I just I just use their garbage one, you know. But they seem to like it too. So anyway, we are sponsored by Heavy Play. They are a card gaming accessories brand that focuses on kind of kind of like high-end durable actually good products and i like them a lot playmat for one is excellent i cannot sing its praises enough it is this kind of like solid folds up fits into a laptop pouch sort of playmat thing nothing like the the weirdo just like get destroyed rubber ones that they would hand you at every single tournament in 2016 or whatever. So that's great. The deck box is nice. Dice tray, all of that goes together with magnets and whatnot. And we have a discount code G three R R Y T for 10% off. And uh, they are basically on every social media thing, heavy play LLC. If you want to follow them, see what new stuff they're coming out with new colors, new things, go to their website too. Uh, shop around look around uh they have a lot of really cool like infographics and gifts and stuff of like how all their products work and everything so do that check them out they rock yeah rc we we both play rakdos a little bit different from each other and honestly man if i could have found the fourth blazing root wall i would have been cooking oh my gosh you sent me so many crazy lists leading up to this tournament that you were like Bully in the kitchen. Listen, you, I, I tried to keep the brainworms to a minimum, so you have no idea. But yeah. I left and got on this flight, and Denver is the furthest I have flown in quite some time. And that meant that after my connection, I had a four-hour flight to Denver, and that's way too long to just, like, trap me in a box alone with my thoughts and a notebook, okay? And by the end of that flight, I was thinking about all of the cards that I purposefully left behind as I was going through my stuff, where it was just like the Asmos and the cookbooks and the Oval Chase Daredevils and the Root Wallas and Burning Inquiries. Uh, these were not all in the same deck, by the way. I do have a little restraint, but all of these cards that I was like, I will absolutely not be playing with these. I was just like, damn, I wish I brought them. And I don't know how to come to terms with that. Do I have to just like bring all of my cards from now on? No, I think you need to get this out of your system the week before in Hartford. Well, I didn't play Hartford, so yeah. that's what we. That, I'm saying that's the solution for this. I the next know. Time. In in theory, it would be a good solution, but like the shadow stuff kind of popped up at that tournament, yeah. and in the week between, I didn't have a ton of time to do stuff. Yeah. I could have made time certainly, but I didn't. So there we go. And I played a good amount of games the week before. I mean, I probably played a league or two every day half asleep the whole way but right after hartford snook top aided with grixis shadow and 
there was another Death Shadow list that also made the top eight that was playing the Grief Scam package. And you sent me like two or three different takes on it yourself Monday. I was already cooking? Damn. You were already... No, well, these were... I'm going to say these were more tempered. And you basically just... Yeah, yeah, You smushed the two together, and I started playing some games with that. And then it it was kind of weird. Like, you and I didn't actually end up talking very much between, like, Wednesday and Friday. Outside of your, like, super brainworm crazy deck lists. Uh, Dude, those were not even the craziest ones. Yeah, well, they were crazy to me. (laughs) I... I, Dude, I filled so many notebook pages, and I have a, a notes app thing that is just labeled Denver... And is a roughly 20 Death Shadow or Death Shadow adjacent deck list. And I started with like six where I was like, oh, I have like these six builds, you know, I didn't think that I could get any weirder than that. But then I did. And that was on the flight. Yeah. Even in the list you sent me, there were like at least a handful of cards in every list that there was no chance one of the dealers at the event was going to have. I know. Like, absolutely zero. I'm not talking, like, a fringe card that nobody played, but maybe somebody would think to bring it. Like, there was... I was looking a lot of cards up. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that's that's never never really a good place to be when, yeah. when I'm sending you deck lists. No, but I think they all followed, like, a relatively similar theme of, like, we wanted to be pretty proactive and get on the board early and trying to maximize Inti as much as possible. Yes. Inti's free wraith cracked. I did bring my call to the Netherworlds. I just didn't bring the Root Wallas. I don't know why. Yeah. But this is... The, the the rabbit hole I went down was pretty similar to the one that I went down a while ago with the initial call to the Netherworld mention. Legacy deck, yes. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it started with Legacy, but then I was like trying to play it in RCQs and whatnot, and then that season ended, and I kind of just like let go of it because... Those decks didn't really catch on in modern, but then with the resurgence, I was reinvigorated. I wanted to try again. And I think I kind of figured out where I want to be, but at the same time, MH3 is going to come out not too long after this, and then it probably isn't going to matter anymore. So, cool. Yeah, I'm very excited for MH3, I'll say. and I, I, there, there is still quite a bit more to explore, I think, in this modern format, and more than I maybe gave credit to a week ago. But I'm, I'm kind of sick of it, man. Well, there's, there's the Leyline stuff. What do you think about that? So we, I went to the, on Friday, the, while I had some friends playing in the LCQs, I chose to not go to the site. And Leo and I and some of the Denver crew went to the Museum of Science and Nature in denver and it was awesome we basically like you know 10 adults chasing around a three-year-old throughout this museum all day yep. and we got, we got a few messages about this new scion ley line rhinos deck and then we basically talked about it for four hours while we walked around <laughs> all of us thought it was pretty cracked almost immediately and then we started trying to figure out reasons why not had somebody had the cards and just handed them to me or i thought that they were acquirable i probably would have just played that because i did play quite a bit of rhinos and just like won a good amount with it obviously it's the best deck but just i don't know something just I, I wasn't enjoying it as much this looked like enough spice that it got me really interested but then as we're leaving i said man i, I think this deck's really good but i, I really hope it's not <laughs> because <laughs> if, if it is really good it's not a lot of fun for a format for a deck like this to be great <laughs> true i had not acquired those ley lines uh, I do own Cyan of Draco, but I didn't bring them. I did bring a bunch of the other Rhinos cards, though. Yeah. Yeah. I should, Interesting. I should, should have just brought Ruwalas instead. 
Yeah, I guess. I guess. It, it does make Pick Your Poison, which is one of the cards I still think is incredibly underplayed, like a lot more interesting and modern in general if a deck like that's really good. It's very good. And you sent me a screenshot from Pygonti that was, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, a little sauce on the opponent's part, let's be honest. Listen, man, they were saving the life. Maybe their life total was going to matter. They had two tapped fetch lands that they used to cast a territorial Kafu with a ley line in play. Yeah. And Pygonti just had the pick your poison rolled up. And yeah. Yeah. So good. Pick your poison, killing the ley line and the Kavu. Could have just cracked one of those fetches, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Definitely should have too. But that's a mistake you'll make once, right? I, I hope so. I hope it's only once. Yeah. I don't know. But Snook played against this deck in one of the LCQs and his opponent did the opposite and just like dealt himself like seven damage off of his lands for no reason. Oh. Yeah. So I think there's like quite a few like new decision trees that people aren't used to when you have this ley line of like how and when do you use your fetches? I, I don't know. It's not that hard. But yeah, I guess like I've played like uh, Prismatic Omen and Dried of the Elysian Grove before, yeah. you know, like it, yeah. I'm, I'm used to it. Yeah. And I don't think it's hard. I just think it's new and different, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you just got to go through it a couple times. You're going to make a few mistakes once or twice, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Our decks ended up being... Like, similar but different. I went lighter on removal than you did for sure. I was trying to hit, like, 10 castable turn one, one drops. So I have four Ragavan, four Stalactite Stalker, two Dragon's Rage Channeler. And part of the two DRC thing was me not wanting to overload on them and then just have to side them out in the face of Endurance from Rhinos. So I went with Stalker and Ragavan, and also I was very impressed with Inti into, or Ragavan into Inti, right? Because that basically allows your Ragavan to get over anything. It'll potentially allows you to use the Inti card that you flip on that turn, which is incredible. Uh, so that, that to me seemed like one of the more powerful interactions in the deck, and I wanted to maximize that. Yeah, and listen, I think we actually came to pretty similar conclusions about like what we wanted to do, and then it's just like how we went about it was slightly different. Because yeah. like, if you take the list that we were on Wednesday when we were talking a little bit, I cut more expensive threats for cheaper threats, and I cut a removal spell for another threat. You just took it two steps further. Yeah, I did end up playing three Dothy Voidwalkers, whereas you played four, but me having three and being like pretty far away from zero was definitely because of you. And Yeah, because I think we started with two. Yeah, and I, I really did want to go down to zero, just straight up. But yeah. Well, they uh, were terrible it, in my games for whatever that's worth, but I didn't play against <laughs> Rhino, so. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. It's It's so hit or miss depending on the matchup, right? But I like all the one drops. Uh, I like Street Wraith with Inti. I like just having like a pretty small deck with like Bobble and Street Wraith. And then both those cards work well with Stalactite Stalker. All of that felt pretty good to me. And then you're doing some stuff to fill your graveyard and uh, discarding things with Inti and just two Croxa to, to use your mana and everything. So I don't know. The, the deck felt fine. We're not playing the Grief Scam stuff. And I was back and forth on it i had it in a bunch of different decks also but it just it did not feel right because it kind of takes the spot of your one drop play and i just wanted things to be able to use inti on yeah it's really hard to fit street wraith mishra's bobble and the scam package all in the same deck 
We, you could do it for sure. Boy. Yeah, it's it's just really difficult, right? Like they all take up quite a few slots. It's hard to do other things. It also makes like sideboarding really awkward because like you have all these different pieces. So um, it puts a lot of weird pressure and tensions on the deck. Bobble for me in the games I played going in was, was the card that like surprised me the most. Like it's clear on paper that Street Wraith is really good with Inti, but. I loved bobble with Inti and being able to like bobble myself and see if I wanted to discard something to Inti when like maybe the plus one plus one counter wasn't super advantageous at the time. Yeah. Or even if it's bad, it's like, okay, we'll shuffle away. And like now I'll Inti and get a fresh look at least, you know? Yeah. It was um, surprisingly powerful to me. And that was the thing I wasn't going to get away from. So um, I really liked the, you know, I had snook in my ear trying to convince me to put the blue cards in my deck to get better against Cascade, which I think would have been a reasonable approach. And the reason I didn't do that was because I really liked this package of Bobble into Street Wraith. And obviously, you know, once you're doing those things, cards like DRC get better. I, I think, think there's something blue, here. I don't know. I think Overall, the blue cards help, but like you don't need them either. No, I don't think you need them, but I think that like the reason to play the blue cards is. They are make you better. If you want to get a lot better against the Cascade decks, that is the way to do it. Yes. Well, I mean, you could also just look at the grief package. Oh, that's the that's the alternative one. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, obviously, like Thoughtseize plus Counterspell is much stronger than Thoughtseize plus more Thoughtseizes. Either way, if you want to do things to be a little bit better against Cascade, you certainly can. Yeah, uh, well, like, Rhinos was really good at the last Pro Tour, and the reason for that was, like, Scam was the best deck, and Rhinos beat up on Scam at that tournament, right? So I had a hard time figuring out why, like, obviously our deck has shadows and bigger creatures that are, like, can line up w well against Rhinos in certain situations, but I had a hard time convincing myself that the Rhinos matchup was great without the blue cards or something extra, because it was kind of like a Scam deck without Scam. Well, Rhinos also had Fury. Yeah. And now we're just like, oh, look at my my little 2-2 two -two and my 2-1, you know, and like you just you feel free to just deploy these things and not get wrecked by a pyrokinesis. So, yep, I think that that helps a lot, too, is like you can just go super wide and not get punished. But also you have these giant death shadows that are kind of impossible for them to deal with. Yeah, notably, neither of us had Bowmaster anywhere. I guess you had a couple in the sideboard, right? But yeah. Bowmaster was not in the main deck for either of us. Nah, Bowmaster was just for other Bowmasters, mostly. That's it. That's the only answer. It's, yeah, it's just not that good right now. Yeah, I don't think it's very good right now, either. And especially when you have, like, Dothy and you have Inti, you have these things that you want to be doing instead at two mana. No reason to play it. So, overall, I think, I don't know, I, I liked the deck, but I, I'd be lying if I said that I, I don't, I, it's probably a step down power level-wise compared to a lot of what everybody else is doing in Modern right now. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. We, we could play Root Wallows. Yeah, that's We could do it. <laughs> that's fair. I, I think, for what that's worth, for any any call to the, to the Netherworld gamers out there, I think I figured it out where you just play two griefs on top of the Street Wraiths to ensure that you have things to buy back. And you don't play, like, any scam cards or anything, but, like, you just, like, buy back a grief if you want. You know? A nice, honest grief, the way it was intended. Exactly. Just raise dead my my force will kind of thing. And okay. That's, it's fine. That is along the lines of where I would have landed probably, is like just more all in on the Inti stuff. I could also see playing something like three Bowmasters and four Burning Inquiries. 
and using that as your way to like fuel the graveyard for Croxa or uh, if you want to play a couple underworld breaches, I think that that's okay too because you just get like the occasional like draw five off Mistress Bobble, which is nice. Yeah, could be something there. It is very sad that NT, despite you discarding three cards off Burning Inquiry, only flips one card. Yeah, but it's still really good. It's no, it, it is. Really it is good. really good. It is really good. <laughs> like it's optional. I like the way the NTs played out were so much different than the way I expected them. The deck to on paper, right? When we first saw this, we were like, "Oh, like you probably don't want a lot of situational cards because then when you flip them off NT, like they may or may not be good." But like that, like hardly was the case for me. Like you, you don't have to discard cards to NT, right? You only do it in the spots where it makes a lot of sense and. Yeah. The fact that it gives trample is awesome, right? Like it's kind of like a mini teamer battle rage style thing with the Death Shadow late game sometimes. Yep. And the plus one plus one counters just are are really good in some spots. So yeah, very impressive. Inti Ragavan is a combo. Yes, Inti Ragavan is a combo. And Ragavan's still great. Eh, mostly. I mean you're I not wrong, Ragavan. but yeah. Yeah, my round one, I don't know what would have happened. Like had I had I won round one, like I would have kept playing, obviously, but my round was one was kind of weird. Uh, I don't know if you saw like my tweet thread or not. I did. Okay. So basically at some point I had a chalice on zero. I drew a bobble, played it, used it. My opponent okays all of this. And I then f- play a faction, crack it to shuffle away my top card that I just looked at with bobble. And while I am shuffling, I am now looking down at the board and realize that I've made a grave mistake. <laughs> yeah. And that chalice should have countered my bobble. So call a judge, all all this. Uh, and it is a weird situation where, uh, you know, I get some amount of penalty, right? Like I get a warning or whatever. And I want to not take advantage of this. So I don't want to draw the card from my Mishra's bobble which now I have a trigger happening because at this point too much has happened in the turn to like fully rewind it. Uh, So I have this trigger coming that is not optional. And so I'm just like, judge, can I like quote unquote, like forget my trigger? And they're basically just like, no, if you do that, you will be cheating. And I'm just like, well, what the heck, man? That's beyond illogical. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to get an extra card from this because obviously like that situation in and of itself is like very abusable right where someone's like playing bobbles through their own chalices but like oh if you call a judge after some stuff has happened then you're not going to get investigated for like cheating in that manner uh but you still get to draw the card or whatever and then someone like me who i'm just like i'm a doofus i don't want to draw this card they're just like yeah you better draw that card (laughs) or else we'll dq you yeah and especially like, like a situation you and your opponent both agree and would like to do this like, I don't know, this doesn't make much sense to me. This is also like an honest mistake that I think has happened quite a bit recently of w- whether it's, it's more often than not two chalice on zeros, right? Sure. Yeah. And I think we even had a case in Hartford on camera where somebody had two chalice for zeros in play at the same time. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure the solution there was they put one in the graveyard, but I'm not sure how much time had passed. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. Whatever. My solution was pass, trigger my bobble. I take the top card of my deck and I throw it off to the side. Yeah. And I was like, that that's my my card that I'm drawing off Bobble. And the judge was still there because they were, I don't know, figuring out like how much of an extension to give us or whatever. And they're just like, look, you better, you know, 
count that as being in your hand if like the game tells you to. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. I'm just, you yeah, know, it's, it's just a card in my hand that's chilling right there for now. Yeah. If I get thought seized, I will show it to you. Yeah, exactly. Right? For all intents and purposes, it is not in play. Yeah. This, um, it reminds me a lot of the Jews, uh, Darks or Blightsteel Colossus story. Yeah. I heard this one recently, actually. Yeah. Which I love. It like, costs 11 or 12 or something and he just like underpaid he yeah he thought he got to enough mana to cast it and he was in reality was one mana short he plays it a turn goes by they realize it they don't allow them to go back so he just sits there and doesn't attack with it until he gets it 12 mana taps all of his lands and then says go yeah (laughs) which is a you know great honest way to um you know remedy the situation but i'd love it if just like judges had the ability again assuming both players agree to just like shortcut some of the corrections here i think so too it would be nice but i understand that like this is a maybe semi-common occurrence so it's a pretty easy fix in theory and i think that you will get a lot of mileage out of it but then there are going to be weirder scenarios where it's just like okay well like how do we actually go about fixing this you know yeah so yeah. this one specifically, it was pretty easy for us. And like again, I, I, there, there are other rules and situations like this that attention and pressure on them has led us to, you know, better interpretations of the rules, if you ask me. Yeah, I agree too. Yeah. And, and like us discussing yours over lunch when we saw it brought up, do you know Costa's Cavern of Souls one? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, was this so, in Barcelona? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Then I do. <laughs> yeah. So he draws cavern, plays cavern, names a creature type. I can't I can't remember if it was angel or human. And then immediate immediately casts a creature of that type. His opponent counters it and then realize and then Costa points to the cavern and his opponent tries to take the counter back. So they call a judge and ask the judge if his opponent's allowed to undo the counter spell and the judge is like, "No, actually, you can't take it back and the spell is countered." Yeah, because you did not announce that it was going through the cavern or whatever. Yeah, but it's just funny because the original judge call had nothing to do with that. Like the the person wanted to put the counter spell back in their hand. But that's a situation where <laughs> the rules and the interpretation of them changed after that tournament because of the attention that was brought to it. Right. Yeah. So and that was that was part of the reason behind me posting. The other part was that like if this comes up, if someone does do this, like, hey, there is actually a fix to this that that people can do. Yep. And I thought about it on the fly. I'm not saying like, oh, I'm a genius or whatever. I think it's a, a pretty easy fix. But if you in that moment are kind of concerned that the judges just said that, well, if you miss your bobble, you're going to get DQ'd. Well, I understand why you might be hesitant to try and then bargain with them to try and like skirt around it or whatever. But I don't care, man. I'm I'm brazen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I'll I'll just flick this card off to the side while the judge is still there. I don't care. Like <laughs> I I know exactly what can and cannot happen to me. Yeah. Well, and I also think it's like a good I I, I really liked that you posted it. It's like, listen, those are mistakes that like everyone makes, right? Every level of player. And like obviously you want to aspire to play as cleanly as possible. But I think like especially with like virtually everyone has played a lot less paper magic over the last year than they had, you know covid and all that so like listen the dexterity with all this stuff in the game actions it's, it's tough you're gonna miss stuff like that right it's inevitable so yeah moto um, moto would have just countered my thing for me so immediately immediately let me tell you playing with mishu's bobble in real life gives me unreasonable anxiety 
<laughs> so the the first RCQ that I won in in like the first season was with Bobble Omnath, and I went into that tournament just thinking like I am hot shit, never gonna miss a trigger, whatever, and I missed five over the course of the event. And five that you know of that I know of. Yeah, because part of missing a trigger is that you missed it, right? So yeah, I mean, I I realized I think a lot of them. And then there was one game where I just like looked down and I was like, wow, why don't I have many resources compared to my opponent? Yeah. I was like, my oh, cards go? I missed my bobble trigger. And then Cho sitting next to me immediately said, no, you missed two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This is why I always laugh at people when they say like, I've never missed one. It's because like, you know, part of missing it is that like, yeah, there's a good chance of. you don't even realize it. Yeah. So while this match is happening, I'm just like trying to be so tight and try and not miss my bobble triggers. And then I just like play a bobble through my chalice instead. And it's yep. like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I made a deliberate choice going into the event that there, there, listen, there's times where like you get a good amount of value off bobble with like fetch lands or like manipulation where like, obviously I'm going to do everything I can to use it at full value there. But like in spots where like the margins are super thin, I was going to bobble at times that just like made it really easy to draw a card. Fair. Right. Of like, I am not, I'm going to try to get like 97% out of this card, not a hundred percent. Right. Yeah. And um, th that is honestly where most of my missed ones came from, where it's like, you start the turn by like bobbling yourself, fetching, you know, doing some other stuff, you pass the turn and then you just like forget. But if, if you just skip all that, do it at the end, just to make sure that you get your card, because that's the most important part. Yeah. And it's probably fine. Yeah. I was basically treating it like, if I bobble and then do stuff after, I'm only 99% to draw a card. Yeah. Right? So if I'm going to get some value, it's worth the risk, right? But if I'm going to fetch anyway, like, what am I doing here? But man, do I hate playing with that card in real life. It is it is brutal. Try try playing Mishra's Bobble and Urza's Bobble. Well, I, maybe that makes it easier. I don't know. Then it becomes like, uh, listen, it's the thing I just need to practice more and do more, right? Yeah, we need to get like a big bobble art thing to put in the middle of the table and like put dice on it or something you know yeah it's definitely bush league it's definitely training wheels but well even if i'm like you told me like i'm not gonna miss one i still spend like an unreasonable amount of time thinking about it right so yeah. i mean it's that's not... the right that's the right way to do it though yeah i know it's not just about the reminder though it's about like free it's it's the reason why like i always write down cards in my opponent's hand when i see it even if i know i'm gonna remember i just write them down anyway yeah because, like, even if I spend, like, 1% of my brain power thinking about it, like, it's just not worth it. Yeah, fair enough. 17-year-old right. me, though, like, I thought she was my opponent. I need to, I don't need to write that shit down. Like, I nah. got that on lock. No, nah, like, you you do it as, like, a point of pride, too. Yeah. 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 Now, the only time I would ever do that is if I'm, like, absolutely flexing on, like, a friend or something like that to, like, intimidate them. Only somebody I know and only if I'm messing with them. Yeah, I I like when the people are like, oh, like I'll I'll keep it face up for you, and I'm just like, no, don't. Yeah, pick it up. I got I got all nine of your cards. Yeah, this isn't Magic Arena. Yep, exactly. So the winner of the event was Min, Min from Jacksonville. I sat down to play against Min in round four of the LCQ in Atlanta, where Min absolutely destroyed me. What was he playing? The silly enigmatic incarnation thing. Well, when I was when I was playing Drake, it's basically a nightmare matchup. Okay, was both like rooting for him to lose or for me to play against the other person. 
you know, and then yeah. he got paired against Min, was just like, well, hopefully Min two owes me and I can join another LCQ, which did happen. Yeah, let's get uh, this over quick. Yeah. But I but I sat down, I was like, hey, I'm Jerry, nice to meet you. We got to talking, and then I was like, Oh, I know you. He's just he's just like a quiet guy for the most part. And so we had not interacted a ton, but like I know one of his good friends, Char- Charles Gindy, and Gindy referenced Min a ton. And then occasionally I would be interacting with Gindy while Min is like just standing there, you know, but I don't know that like he and I were ever formally introduced or anything, but Min absolutely kicked my ass. And then unfortunately lost in the finals of that LCQ, which was really sad. Brutal. But then just won this RC. So love to see that. Yeah. Good to see it. And Gindy is one of the true most talented people I've played with going, you know, historically. So yeah, not um, close. Gindy, yeah. Gindy is one of those people that will like far and away crush whatever he sets his mind to. Yeah. You know, absolute just, natural. Yep. But just boring old rhinos. Yeah. That's all right though. I almost respect it more. Just like uh, everyone's doing all this fancy stuff. There's all these other things in the room. Everybody in the, everybody in the entire room is gunning for rhinos. No wins anyway. Yeah, beats living in in the finals. Yeah, the game. Yeah, the Super Bowl was coming on, so like we stopped paying attention, and like everyone's like, so living in won the RC, right? And nope, nah, dude. Why? Why'd you stop watching when Min was playing? You yeah. should have known better. I mean, it's, it's not the most exciting matchup, to be fair, to from a spectator yeah. perspective. That's that's fine, but I don't know. Don't don't y'all have two TVs? Someone has a phone, right? No, and it, it did. It just it got pivoted to the smaller screen or whatever. Okay, my attention pivoted. Creativity made it to the top four, which was exciting to see. I did see that. Man yep. And then a, I know at least one other creativity player um, qualified for the Pro Tour playing it. So that was good to see. And I think it was like a totally acceptable and reasonable choice. And I think a lot of the decisions they made with their lists was smart and going in the right direction. So good to see. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I still think uh, loading up on silences is probably not the best way to handle the Rhinos matchup, but... Yeah, I would agree. I, 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 the parts that really impressed me were like just the main decks, like everyone loading up on reprieves and mana tithes. And mana tithe, I think, makes a lot of sense and um, solves a lot of things. And I wish you and I got there quicker than we did. Me too. But it is nice to see that like the rest of the stuff is pretty close to where we ended up. Just like no more bitter reunion, no persist, like none of that. Just more spot removal, more like kind of counter magic-y type things. Yep. Do you see there was a list in the challenges and I think top 16 the showcase, not top 8, but there was a couple lists going around with the think twice from the new set. I did see that. I saw that in one of the RC decks. Yeah, deduce. Yeah, I don't know how I, I don't really get it that. if I'm being honest. I I think I like hard evidence better, but Yeah, um, like listen, like having more targets for your creativity never really felt like the issue for me. Obviously, like having an artifact to target instead of a one-one helps against removal, but was not one of the problems that I would frequently encounter. It's not a big problem, but it is nice to have, and I think that you could pretty easily just like play one or two copies of a card like that, and yeah. it costs you very little. So. Yeah, it's like in the expressive iteration slot of the list you were playing, right? And it 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 it, it kind of fills that role as well. Like you know, post board when you have a lot more removal, it's you can draw two cards off of it. It's a little bit slower, but you get to hold reprieve up or spell pierce up, and then use your mana still. Yeah. So I think all that makes sense. Yeah. So I don't I don't hate it. Yeah. Saw a shadow prophecy floating around. Oh, love to see that. Yeah, but. we couldn't really get shadow prophecy in our two color deck, unfortunately. 
No. I mean, I have casted a Shadow Prophecy for one before off of, uh, when a Blood Moon was in play with a treasure. Oh, my God. Right? So oh I, I've God. been there. <laughs> Yuck. I didn't win that game. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. But I'm excited to take a break from Modern. I'm excited for MH3. And I really hope I'm not playing against a bunch of two-mana 6-6 six, six, hexproof lifelink <laughs> nonsense. Uh, you might be, but look, we just need to play Pick Your Poison, and it's fine. Yeah. I did add, I added a Shieldred's Edict to my sideboard instead of a different removal spell. Ooh, I played one of those in one of the opens in Pittsburgh when I was doing a lot of scam experimentation. It was really bad for me. Yeah. But it, I do I do think it's better now. It it's it's awkward. Um and I did draw it one time where my opponent was casting like a prismatic ending or a leyline binding on my Kroxa and I really wanted to kill it and it only targets opponents, right? So yeah. if it was terminate, which is the slot it took, that would have been better there. But the fact that it's instant and can kill planeswalkers can be nice too. So well, it's each opponent, right? Uh sure, maybe. It's I, I all I know is I couldn't do it on myself, right? <laughs> couldn't kill my own Kroxa which is what I wanted to do. Yeah, it's each opponent, so uh, it does not get veiled. It doesn't get veiled. That's and the it only reason why I remember that. Yep, that's interesting. Person uh, in an open pre-COVID cast a Japanese Kaya's Guile against me and was like, you sack a creature, exile your graveyard. And I was like, veil. And they're like, it's each opponent. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you fucking asshole. Yeah. And it's just That's like the shit-eating smirk on their face. It's just like I kind of just want to get you DQ'd. It's kind of weird because it's a team event, you know. Yeah, I almost, I, I, I wish they like let you draw a card. They're like, okay, you can draw a card, and then they tell you like you still do it all. Oh no, that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sure, yeah, like, but I, yeah. I drew the card, and then they just like looked at me, and they're just like, okay, Sack, you're a primeval titan or whatever. And it's like, I hate you so much. Yeah, it's like Esper Charm target myself. Basically, yeah. Same stuff. Oh, uh, anyway, what else we got? We got, uh, I, I, so you mentioned the, the deduce thing. I was looking at deck lists earlier today, but I was looking at standard deck lists because I may go play some RCQs this weekend. I don't really want to, but I do want to hang out with Cho. You should. I know. Get out of the house. Also, standard is wild right now, so. Brother, I just got into my house today yeah okay don't don't give me that <laughs> i've not been in my house my cats don't know whether to love or hate me it can be both it can be both they are complicated beings yeah standard is interesting there's a couple different reanimator decks you know i love that shit boros convoke kind of popping off i think i figured out how cases work uh otherwise i mostly was just not reading them on the spoiler so that's been my experience in the drafts that I've been doing is like, I start to read them and I'm like, I'll just figure that out later. So you just skip them, right? You just don't even take them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or if they're uncommon or rare, I might give them like a couple of looks. There's been a few where I just took it, took it and said, I'll figure out exactly what it does later. That's fair. I mean, it's the best way to learn how they work is to like put it in play. Yeah. See what happens. And dude, honestly, my confidence level is still not that high. But the red rare one, I like. The, like, tormenting voice, solve it when you're hellbent kind of thing. I like that card a lot. And then the white removal spell, 
seems quite good. Anyways, yeah, the white removal spell is definitely good. I still have not read any of the other ones. I haven't played any limited. One of my RCQs this weekend is limited. I'm kind of actually tilted about that, despite being like very excited for the limited formats uh, in the, the previous seasons. I just, I don't like morphs, man. I just don't. They're good. I like it. I like everything for whatever it's worth. Like, there's very few limited sets that I like strongly dislike in the first 30 drafts or whatever. So I'm still early on to this one. I've probably done in the 7 to 10 range, but I'm enjoying it still. The There is like the the number of words on the cards in relation to how much of an impact they have is like pretty bad. Yeah. Right. I don't mind cards having as many words on them as like other people do. Like it's objectively bad, not a great thing, but it doesn't bother me as much. But like when I read a card that has a million words on it and then it hardly does anything, <laughs> I find it, that very frustrating. You like get a plus O plus one counter or something. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The scale of Chiscorio is so much simpler, you know? So much simpler. Yeah. What's the green uncommon that uh, Killer Among Us? Great card. There's it's like just three a stupid amount of words. And. Uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't so that that card, that card kind of follows a similar pattern for me with cases where like I didn't know exactly what it did, but I just picked it, put it into play, played with it once, and now I know exactly what it does. And it wasn't from reading it. <laughs> sure, I I don't think that that is the greatest solution, but it is the world that we live in. No, well, when I'm playing like you know low stakes arena drafts on my phone at like two in the morning, that's my solution. No, no, I think that's fine. That's certainly well and good, but I I do not want to do that for my RCQ, which probably means that I have to play a little bit. Uh, we'll see. But yeah, I am excited to play standard. Uh, because I I think the reanimator stuff is cool. It does not look very good. It certainly looks like if people play like two unlicensed hearse, they just fold. Yeah. So I will probably be on that side of things and then it is just going to come down to like what cards we can find because like i have a lot of stuff but not everything and especially if uh me or joe wants to play boros which it sounds like both of us kind of do i should probably put a copy of that together and we will see if the stores have all the necessary gleeful demolitions or whatever the hell i don't have yeah Boros seems like the only thing people agree on at this point. Like I, I spent an hour on the plane on the way home, just looking through deck lists from the events over the weekend. I, it's not actually clear to me what archetypes people think are good. And then even once you get past that, like how to build those archetypes is also wildly all over the place. Yeah. Um, and Boros seems to be one of the few places where there's at least a consensus, but like, I don't know, take Esper as an example. Is Esper good? There's I mean, a lot of people that feel strongly. Yes. There's a lot of other people that feel strongly. No, but even if we move past that for a second, like how do you build it? Like the lists deviate by like 20 cards. Yeah, I still do not think Esper is particularly good. And a lot of decks got cards from this set and Esper does not seem to be one of them unless you count, I don't know, just like the random garbage that doesn't really swing matchups one way or the other. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you. Rafine has a knack for winning tournaments still, but like I would agree. That pattern kind of exists across a lot of the different archetypes, right? Agreed. Yeah, and I was looking at uh, the the big Japanese tournament that happened this weekend and looking at like all the different Boros decks, all the different Demir mid-range decks, uh, Rakdos mid-range. The Demir ones were kind of interesting. Rakdos was mostly what you would expect, like just not a lot of change or experimentation or anything. And then... Boros, I think the big 
difference between everyone's lists was four war leaders call or like any amount of war leaders call i guess but i i did buy four copies of that card because it was like a dollar or two dollars or something so i don't know yeah. that card seems good I mean, the Ragnos decks still feel a little bit all over the place to me. Like, obviously, there's the the bigger version that's still going around with Trumpeting Carnosaur. But then there's like there's a couple of Inti lists going around on the Internet, too. I know you were dabbling with that deck a little bit. Like, are you off that? Is that something you're still interested in? I think it's fine. I'd rather do like more powerful, get you dead, go wide stuff, ideally. But then then there's also like this blue white deck that has what is this? card's name something doorkeeper some silly doorkeeper doorkeeper thrall do you know this one no like one dub one two flash flying artifacts and creatures entering the battlefield don't cause things to trigger not a card i expected to see in standard well it this is one of the few cards that solves the like cavern attracts a problem yeah so you get that and then a lot of the blue white cards like wedding announcements, the the virtue, Denic, like the, the stronger ones aren't affected by this thing. So you can just play it in straight blue white as just a generic good answer to a lot of things. And I would like to play it alongside Tidebinder, but it stops the Tidebinders, right? So, which is like good for you, but it also means like you are really reliant on kind of sticking this one to flyer and keeping it around. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really feel like a place I'm very interested in being. But I don't know. That looks fine, too. And I could see playing something along these lines, assuming I can get these thralls and say we don't have all the cards for something else, you know? Yeah. How about blue-white control? Well, I saw some of those, and I kind of want to hybridize the two decks, actually. I don't know if that's silly or not. I mean... If, if, if my initial reaction is it has to be silly because like the reason I want to play blue white is temporary lockdown. Well, a lot of the thrall decks are sideboarding lockdown anyway. Huh? Because they, they just have like Denic thrall mastermind and like wandering emperor virtue wedding announcement, whatever. So like you just you skip your two drop effectively lock them down and then you play out your stuff. Yeah, that's two minutes when I mana leak, right? Yeah. And as long as I just win every die roll, I'll be fine. Yes. Yeah, I like Lockdown quite a bit. Uh, Sunfall is sort of whatever. I, I don't feel like I really want or need that. And I was just looking at trying to play a little bit of a longer game with this blue-white stuff and just playing like a couple deluges and then maybe like siding into a, a bigger blue-white control deck, especially because the blue-white sideboard is just kind of nonsense. Oh, it's all nonsense. But I don't know. It was interesting. Obviously, like... You know, Mana Leak's a powerful card, but I, I, I don't know. I, I still feel like this deck has bigger problems and it's not necessarily something that I was buying. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I don't like I don't know why it's not playing the, the Schooner or anything, but uh, whatever. Yeah, I'm still on a Preacher kick, man. I really want to play Preacher. I really like that card. I think it's really strong. And all of the decks that I end up looking at or like trying to talk myself into are some have four Preachers in them. Preacher's good. I definitely want to do like bat gix things. I want to have some sideboard night clubbers. Uh, that card seems very good against like toxic and the Boros deck and whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah. So like cost and I were out at dinner one night and I like, you know, just rattled off basically like a 40 card deck. Right. 
which is just like bat plus gix plus preacher plus like you know some combination of black four drops and removal spells and then it's like that that shell is like really strong to me mm-hmm. and then it's like okay you can pretty much add like any color to this you want maybe even two and you don't even have to add a color right but like what are the last you know 10 15 20 cards in that deck and there's like you know four different archetypes that are popular and popping up that are doing stuff around that yeah and i like all that stuff i think it's completely fine i think that would be a thing that i'd be happier to do when the metagame kind of settles yeah but i agree the problem i have is that i don't really like the black four drops also when when i was looking at actual mono black the utility lands that you get are basically not worth it (laughs) Yeah, that was the conclusion we came to is that like you kind of like playing one of the colors that gives you a creature land is probably mandatory. Yeah, I feel that way too. The only reason that the black four drops have grown on me a little bit is because when you play a deck that has bat, gix, and preacher, you are taxing their removal spells a lot. And true, that is the like, I don't like the the shield drids or, you know, any of the other four and fives outside of that. Yeah, I don't want Shieldred in like my wedding announcement deck or whatever. But correct, what you were saying makes a lot of sense. Where it's like they kind of have to kill your two and your three, and then your Shieldred or Archfiend or whatever is far more likely to stick. Yep, and like that's the next best card to play. Like I already want to play Preacher and Gix, right? So that makes Shieldred a lot more appealing. Yeah. Uh, okay, fine. But it's still like nowhere close to the card it was, you know, six months ago. No, it, it is not that difficult for people to just like go around you there's way more uh excellent removal options and everything so yeah like people aren't even playing more removal but the thing i've seen happen way more than i did in the previous standard format is like people just beating a shieldred when it was like stayed in play and that was something that like used to be unheard of right like you stuck a shieldred they didn't answer it the game was over now now decks are just like ignoring it yeah you just have so much going on yeah, and like a lot of the aggro decks even, like they just go around it. Like they just go wide enough. They're like, you know, okay, fine. Like you have this big blocker and you can gain four life or whatever, but, you know, they're going to go super wide. Yeah, or in case of like the red-green deck, it's like they just trample over you. Yeah. They don't care, man. Yep, yep, exactly. So the other deck that people were talking to me a bunch about that I still don't fully understand is the Slogurk decks. Oh, uh, yeah. Which is another iteration of like, there are like, four different smart people that I talked to that all had very strong opinions about it and felt very confident and all built the deck in wildly different ways. Inti Rona is powerful. That is what I will say. Yeah. And listen, I'm sure there's like some merit to everything they all said, but it just makes my head hurt. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to think about it too much. All right. What should I play? Uh, Follow your heart. Yeah. I mean, I'll probably play Rakdos or Demir then. Yeah, that's fair. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and get convoked together, and then uh, I will play the scraps, whatever we have that is closest to a complete deck. Well, if you get the red and the white cards out of the way, at least the red cards in Bor- in convoke don't really overlap with these things. So, you gonna join me with Rakdos or Demir? Uh, I mean, I could. I I think I only have two Gix and two Preacher. Huh. I was supposed to get the rest of them in. Denver and I just kind of forgot. I was too busy going around looking for root wallas and then I was just tired at the end. <laughs> yeah. Gix is still obnoxious, expensive. It went down. It's only 27. <laughs> Jeez. What a silly card. 
dude, it was 40 or whatever, man. I know. I, I know. 50. And it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, Gex and, and Shielded's still really expensive too. I, I don't mind Shielded as much though, because like you play those in other formats, right? Yeah. I can't imagine your Gix is going to get very much mileage in anything other than standard. No, dude, my, my Shieldreds went up actually, I think. Hold up. Am I getting rich? Oh yeah, dude. Shieldred TCG player man, 86. That's the showcase. Oh, oh the, yeah. The regular one is 90. Let's go. I think I paid, paid like 70. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Who would have thought that was a good buy? <laughs> Uh, I was not happy. I was like, this is causing me physical pain. I was with you when you did it. <laughs> yep. Yep. You got them for Austin, right? Uh, yeah, but well, like, you I, were going to get them, but it was, I, I have used them, so it's fine. Yeah. That was a rough morning for you, man. Oh, uh, did you see the SCG schedule? Yeah, I did. I was sad. They're not going to come back to Hartford after they like, just like blew out the attendance, but I guess it's the same year still. Yeah, dude, they, they can't immediately just be like, oh, next week is another Hartford. Listen, like, I can be selfish, okay? Like, Well, let me be selfish and celebrate the one in Richmond. Yeah, and that's fair. And there's definitely a few that I, like, basically will guarantee to be going to. Baltimore, D.C., for sure. Richmond is, I do not think I'm going to be in Richmond because I am... Bruh family vacation that week i'm family vacationing the like right up till the day before it okay so so get on a different flight from yeah. your family i'm well, sure that'll I, go I think over we well come back the that saturday which would be the fourth sorry leo yeah cutting your vacation short yeah sorry mom you're flying with two kids good luck yeah yeah, that's HF. definitely cruel and unusual punishment. No, it is. It is for sure. Yeah. But um, I'll be in Baltimore. Baltimore, D.C., Columbus all look pretty good. All and right. then we were already taught Philly is kind of soon. I don't know. It is soon. I don't know. Are you going to Chicago? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I would love to go to Chicago. Tradesies? But listen, I've been off work for five weeks <laughs> and for my paternity leave and Monday is back to reality for me. So I would imagine it's going to take me a, a, a little bit to recover from the hard dose of reality that I'm about to experience. I know. I know. Got to do it. Yep. What else we got? We got Pioneer Pro Tour at Chicago. Yeah. Which, wow. Yippee. It's kind of weird, man. Like there's like 250 or however, 300 people or whatever, like in the world that are the only ones that care about Pioneer. Yep just feels really weird to me. Like, I really want to be, I like, like even had a thought of like, oh, maybe I'll like try to play a pioneer challenge this weekend to like, you know, make watching the coverage for the tournament, like a little bit more interesting for me and just not, not, no thanks. Put so, Hazaret, the fervent in your recto stacks. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. what I'm saying. That is, that is my advice. Do that. Yeah. To the 12 people that are qualified. Cracked in the mirror, cracked against blue white control. Let's you play Gigantha if you care about that. And blue white control is like dominating that format right now, right? Yeah, I'm looking at goldfish now. Last 30 days, it's it is creeping up to uh number one deck. Yeah, I mean to me, like I at least my instinct going in is like that's just tier zero. And if you do the last 14 days, it is the winningest deck at 14% Rakdos at 12. Yeah. But that's until Rakdos adds Hazaret. Hmm. I also I have Bomat Couriers, but y'all don't have to do that if, if you're cowards. 
I understand. Definitely cowards. I just, I just wish there was some, I mean, and I know there's like a pioneer RCQ season coming up, but it's not for a while. Just, it feels like there's a missed opportunity with the timing and the sequencing of these things. Yeah, this could be standard. It would be cool. It could be like the last hurrah for this modern format or something. I don't know. Like, it, I I get that Atlanta fed this and Atlanta was pioneer and yeah, it sense to to keep the format you qualify the same format as the Pro Tour or whatever. But for yeah. for RCQs going to RCs, that makes a lot more sense to me. But like the second you hit the professional level of events, I don't think that that should matter anymore. That's fair. I mean, not as much, right? Yeah. But um, I miss the days of like the Pro Tour was like the kickoff for the new format and the new season. And like the PTQ season for the format would would start immediately after the Pro Tour. So like everybody I knew was like super invested in like paying attention to the format, watching yeah. the Pro Tour, trying to see like which deck they were going to build for the upcoming season. And to me, like that amount of like continuity, I think is like super valuable. Yeah, I mean, it's not even continuity, right? It's just like artificially making people care about your pro tour because yeah. it means that the format is relevant to them. But right now, who who cares about Pioneer? Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I desperately want to care. I'm looking for like literally any reason. No, just I, like, I please know. give me a tiny one. I know, but yeah. I'm just saying like it. this, this feels like when there were like alchemy pro tours or whatever it's just like who cares it's not yeah. relevant to anyone right yeah most of the people i talked to last weekend that are going to the pro tour are playing standard because <laughs> they're just all going for the 75k yeah so i it was it was hilarious like the I, m multiple times people asked me what should i play in chicago and i started talking about pioneer and they're like no 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 standard yeah now i'm gonna bust out of chicago real quick and then yeah it's like oh okay sure yeah pull a retail and just do both oh uh, true i forgot that happened yeah it was wild but i don't know so you you standard you're kind of invested in man you got to go this weekend and get it out of your system if you're gonna go to chicago i wasn't planning on playing much if anything in chicago really that yeah. 75k looks pretty appealing it's probably capped does it does yeah, it really i would love to go and play that yes that's what i was saying we i would happily trade spots with you yeah but I don't know. I got a friend who has a booth. Might help her out. Elena Danner, magic artist, does a lot of wonderful cards, uh, including the dog token from the most recent set. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, so she rules. Get to see her. Uh, Martin Juice is going to be there. Been talking to him a little bit. Hope he busts out of the Pro Tour very quickly so we can hang out. Or wins the Pro Tour. That That's exactly what I said. I said, I hope you win or you bust out quickly. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm a good friend. Yeah, but I would like to hang out with him. Yeah. Win a lot or a little. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, none of this like limping in at like four four BS. Like, come on. I'm kind of jealous. Wish I was going. I I will do my best to make you not jealous. I will just tell you how much fun I am not having. You, how about that? Will that help? No, it's not going to help at all. Oh, okay. It's going to make me wish I was there to like increase and help your chances and enjoyment overall. I didn't see you at all in Denver, and it sucked. So yeah, I tried to drag you out a few times. Yeah, but it was it was too late. I it was like, I, I was already mopey, and then you were like, "Come do this thing," and I'm just like, "Ah, no." Yeah, we did a lot. Denver was fun, honestly. Like, the, I mean, the RC itself was like stupid big, like an absurd number of people, and the room was obnoxiously hot, 
and the rounds took a while, which is to no fault of the organizers, just like tournaments that size take a while. Yeah, for sure. But like the room was cool, man. There was like a lot of different booths. There was a lot of things going on. It, it just I, I, the, there was energy in that room. I don't know if this was official or not, but I saw like more than one person say that the room we're in had maximum occupancy of 900 people. That would make sense to me. And, and it was definitely like double that. It was, yeah, there were like 2000 people in there between the main event, the side events, all the, the employees, vendors, whatever. Right. And it definitely felt cramped. There wasn't a lot of table space and yeah, it was really hot in there, which was like kind of good because it was cold outside, but it was also just like way too hot. I don't know. Yeah. It was kind of fine for the first three rounds when we were there, but the friends that I met for dinner that stayed the whole day were like dripping in sweat. So yeah. And then, uh, did you, did you see the thing about the mice? No. Oh yeah. People were just like finding dead mice all over the place too. Yikes. Yeah. Not the most elegant convention center. It wasn't even really a convention center. It was kind of like a strip mall. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was the hotel. The Grand Prix that I won in 2008 was in that place. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, memories. Yeah. So people were like, oh, look at this fountain in the lobby. And I was like, I have my my picture in front of that. Um, and then I tried to find it on the internet, but it's it's gone because Wizards took all the coverage down. <laughs> yeah, dude, they couldn't afford the $4 web hosting fee. No. Nah, I mean, uh, there there is a dude that has like hyperlinked all the tournaments to like the Wayback machine and everything. Uh, so I could go look at that at some point, but yeah, too lazy. Uh, but yeah, I think the, the venue was nicer back then. This was like 2008 or something. So what, a while what, ago, what format was this GP? Uh, vivid land block constructed. Oh man. Broodmate dragon, cruel tomatum. Broodmate. Well, those, those cards were not legal. Because those okay. were shards cards. Got it. But same era. Yeah, it was Mannequin Moldrifter. Huh. Fairies. Lorwyn. Yeah. Yeah. One of the few years I was not playing much magic. Yeah, I uh win the, I win the tournament and they're like, we gotta go take your picture. And so I looked at my friend, made eye contact with him, handed him my bag and said, Please watch this. Went to take my picture in front of that waterfall, came back, my bag was gone frustrating the deck i just won the grand prix with was was in that bag <laughs> yeah honestly that kind of sums up 2008 or like that era in magic of like bags just getting stolen left and right yeah it was it's kind of funny too because i know who did it but there's like nothing you can really do about it but a person went to their poker game and recorded them bragging about stealing the grand prix winner's bag and like sent that recording to me. Oh, that's messed up. Yeah. Which I, I mean, it was nice. I, I appreciated it. Cause like, at least I knew. Yeah. You're not left wondering, but leaves yeah, you plotting. What, what are you supposed to do? It's like, Oh, if I ever see you like didn't, I don't know. <laughs> like they were from Arizona or whatever. Yeah. Frustrating. It's like block two, right? Like those decks couldn't even have been worth that much money. Dude, you say that it was like an $800 deck. Oh, what? yeah. So that's a lot. Yeah, because it was like reflecting pools and cryptic commands and the the stuff like Ruined Halo. I don't think Ruined Halo was super expensive, but like Archon of Justice was. Yeah, a lot of rares. A lot of rares. So 
Uh, yeah, a lot of the cards were not mine, etc. You know, but good yeah. good times in the old Crown Plaza, Denver. Yeah, I mean, either way, I think two weekends in a row now where the tournament halls were packed way beyond capacity, which for the experience itself, not great. But I think definitely things that should be celebrated, like good signs for Magic. No, it, it magic. does. It certainly bodes well. You know, I mean, I, I think that things are going pretty decently it does feel like people are invested in standard which was the the big question i guess like whether or not having a season and everything could get people to go from like zero to a hundred but i i feel like we're kind of there you know yeah oh we're definitely there listen a whole bunch of the rcqs around me were announced as limited because the store owners were not committed to standard and they've now all been changed to standard cool that's great. So that's a really good sign. It's unfortunate. I was I was looking forward to playing a sealed deck tournament. I like sealed, but very good signs for the format and the game in general. I don't know anybody that really loves the RCQ system for whatever that's worth, but I haven't yeah. heard a single idea that's any better. Yeah. It's um, weird. It's this combination of like, it's not actually super easy to qualify. Like No, it's not. Like you just have to do uh, a bunch of a bunch of quests. It's like the moto stuff, right? Yeah, but like qualifying doesn't feel that special because you get to play in like a 1300 person tournament. Yeah. So it's this like bad combination of like, it is not easy. It requires a pretty significant amount of time, effort, and you have like, are some RCQs are really freaking hard and then also not very rewarding to win because like you're now one of 1300 people in this 15 round event that you have to go like X3 in or whatever. Well, so. I'm going to drop in real quick with what I brought up in Hartford as my potential fix. Oh, please. When we we're hanging out at Costa's people were cubing. I was sitting on the couch at some point. Someone brought up like uh RC system kind of messed up because there's like thousands of people qualified for these things. And it seems pretty easy to me where what you need to do is add another level, another step, but that does not feel good because you certainly don't want to have to go from like RCQ to or like, you know, PPTQ to like RCQ last time. Right. Yeah. RCQQ. Yeah. That coupled with the, one of the current issues, which is you win an RCQ and then you just sit out for the rest of the season, which I think is pretty bad because it is LGS is running these things and they, are pretty happy in general the more people show up and the way that these tournaments work is just like well you know one person is like the linchpin of a group in a lot of instances where like they are the one with the physical ride they are the one organizing people they are the one who is like providing extra decks or cards or whatever and when that person loses motivation to care then suddenly like other people in their group start to drop out too. Right. And it's just, it's not good. So I want to give people a reason to keep playing and I want to make the RCs themselves smaller, both for tournament logistics, but also to make it feel more special to qualify. And my solution to this is you can win up to two invites per season. And then for each season. So like for, for Denver, for example, there would be two RCs on different weekends ideally some amount of time apart, not necessarily like back-to-back -back weekends, like maybe a month apart or something. And uh, if you win two invites, you can go to them both. If you win one invite, you can pick and choose. 
and kind of love I, it. Yeah, and I like you split it east, east and west coast to some degree. You know, like obviously it could be like Dallas and Denver or something. I think that's fine, but uh, make it cater to both sides of the United States. Make it so people have a reason to continue grinding. And if you know people win the first two RCQs of the season and qualify for both, well then okay, fine. Like, yeah, I guess they sit out now. Sure. Let, let them the play. Let them play and just pass the invite down too. That's like a some, you know, they might not have an incentive to play. Yeah, I I think that that is fine also. Yeah, but that's but, like if you really wanted to solve that problem, my point is you can solve it in other ways too. The hilarity of bringing up this, I don't know, just like mythical cabal of uh, tournament grinders who are like scooping for profit to like block for people or whatever if, you know, you you did not have to sit out if you already won or whatever. It's just so ridiculous to me. Yeah, not, a, I don't. I, the I money is not there. It's just yeah. not there. Yeah. And also like, if people are going to go do that and spend that much time invested in like playing games of magic at their LGS, like I'm kind of cool with it too. Yeah. And if it becomes a problem that I can't possibly imagine or fathom, like we can deal with it then. Um, yeah. But, but instead right now they are just shadow boxing with this idea that in addition to logistically not making any sense, like also monetarily doesn't make any sense and yeah. it, just make people have to play magic or make them give them a reason to want to play magic yeah everyone should always want to play magic and be incentivized to play right so like having people not be allowed to play is just absurd and ridiculous and that should stop i agree and i think star city's already said publicly that that is something they intend on changing but the other salute the other weird thing that your hypothetical solves that i really like is if we stick with the premise of like the US getting two the top two people right now qualify for worlds. So I assume in like your scenario, like it would just be the winner of both tournaments. That's fine. However, and I you think want that's, to do it. Oh, also split the prize pools because yeah, right split now, the prize pool. The prizes are they're too big. They're they're too big. Yeah, they're it too doesn't big. Matter. Well, they're too like, top just, heavy too. So like yes, flatten them exactly. a little, right? They're definitely yeah. too top heavy. The the but the the cool thing is is like the finals is kind of like anticlimactic because the top four match is actually the one that has all the pressure. Yeah. I mean, you get to be the champion, which is like kind of cool, I guess, it, but yeah, but it, like, yes, I, I just, the, the, the finals of the tournament should be like the ce most celebrated and in high intense pressure, whatever match. And right now it feels like the top four matches that. Well, I, so that's what it was for us nationals, but at least then you also got, to be like the national champion and that meant something, but being like an oh. RC champion doesn't mean anything. Yeah. yeah. Being us national champion is an amazing thing or whatever country national champion, because like everyone you talk to that doesn't even play magic, you can say that and they know what it means. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So like, I, I think there's a ton of prestige associated with that. Like being an RC champion, like, don't get me wrong. Like, let's not, it's hard. Not, it, it's hard. And it's a big accomplishment, but the amount of pressure on that top four match, I feel like given the top two is like a problem. Right. And like any amount of financial incentive is not going to like make the viewership any that much more interesting or anything like that. So, no, it's not. Um, I think that splitting it has that benefit as well. There's other structures in other parts of the world that are different, too, which is the other interesting part. Like I know Japan has a structure somewhat similar to what you described, where they basically add a layer in between. Yeah. And I, I think that makes sense. 
Yeah. I mean, again, it has pros and cons. I just, I just, I hope we try different stuff. Right. I do too. Uh, the biggest thing that I want to get away from is like you, you win a tournament and then you just sit for four months, like not being able to play magic. And the thing that you qualify for happens three times a year, which is, it's not enough. Give people more reasons to play magic, more things to look forward to. And I yeah. think overall, the ecosystem is much healthier as a result if you're able to just deliver on those things. 100%. They're three times a year and they're nowhere close to evenly spaced. So like True. you just played it like uh, the last RC in Atlanta was what? End of December? Yeah, like December yeah. 15th? No, and yeah, now it was like two months ago. And now two months later, we have another one, which means at some other point, we're going to have a six month gap. Yep. Which yeah. is probably right now, to be honest, right? Like, yeah. And what if, what if like a month from now we had another one or like at Chicago, potentially like there could be an RC or something. Yeah. Like that'd be cool. Yeah. Like, I just want more of them too, even if I'm not playing in them, just to like pay attention to. So. Yeah. Because you don't have to be qualified to be looking forward to it. Right. Yeah. Especially if it's a format that is relevant to you. So. I don't know. I get that there are logistical things and there are only so many TOs. They only have so many weekends and so many bodies that they can go through before like everyone just suffers from massive burnout or whatever. But I, I think that it is doable. I do too. And like I said, at a minimum, I hope that we continue to experiment and try different approaches. And I assume that if we do that, things will incrementally improve. Me too. Game. Good luck.